welcome to episode 73 of the Cigar Snob Podcast. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm here with our publisher, Eric Calvino. Sup, y'all? And Ivan Ocampo. Oh, thanks. You like that? Yeah, man. Oh, like at like the uh, uh, United Airlines City. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should have played that like Michael Jordan intro music. Da, 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 da. I, I forget how it goes. I was about to do it and I did yeah. it all wrong. That's good. Yeah, a little final countdown in there. We'll throw it in here in post. All right, so... uh, No, we won't. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, On this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff, including this uh, top 25 list cigar that we're currently smoking, Um, a uh, cigar snob event that we did recently with Oliva Cigars at a very cool Miami venue. Um... bunch of sports stuff as well as uh an upcoming major cigar festival and uh other stuff that's in the news but before we get into all of that a word from episode sponsor drew estate introducing the herrera esteli brazilian maduro which features a dense plantation grown magafina wrapper over a connecticut river valley broadleaf binder with fillers from nicaragua showcasing the floral and earthy brazilian matafina tobacco with unique texture the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera, and presented in five vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. Okay, on this episode of the podcast, we are smoking Mombacho Liga Maestro, which was number 12 on our list of the top 25 cigars of 2018. This is a Nicaraguan puro made at Casa Favili in Nicaragua. That's Mombacho's uh, picturesque factory. It is a 6x46 Vitola that they call Hermoso. And it retails for $9.96. Again, I, I like these uh, super precise. Just four cents shy of ten bucks. Uh, $9.96 for this cigar. Again, it was number 12 on our list of the top 25 of this past year. Uh, we just started smoking it, but how are you guys doing with it so far? I literally just lit it. Uh, very mild right now at the at the at the onset. Thank God because it's early. But yeah, yeah it, it did come through mild. Not a lot going on uh, for breakfast. Uh, so yeah, it, it is uh nice and you know mild, but still has that little uh, light bit of cocoa, touch of leather. Uh, so yeah, really nice, uh, nice mild start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely get the leather off of there. Ivan, what kind of robbers is this? I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. It's Nicaraguan. Uh, I don't have in my notes what exactly it is, but we can, uh, if, if we do a little Googling later, yeah. when we come back to the cigar, that'll give us something else to talk about. For now, it is a mystery wrapper, and then we will revisit this to talk about uh, what exactly is on this. But yeah, I agree with the leather thing. Um, it's, uh, but it's, it's nice. It's, it's um, kind of what I imagine it would be like to chew on a wallet. Okay. Is that a positive? I would so, say it's yeah, a positive. Right. Very yeah, in the positive. same way that, like, if it's good, you know, I'm not actually. I just go- like when you th- when you say chew on a wallet. What I'm seeing is like a a, a scene from a movie where someone right. has like a a stab wound, uh, or a, a, an arrow in their leg, and then to right. to remove the arrow, they give the guy a wallet and or, say, or the leg, bite down on it, or the leg itself. Right. Yeah, but isn't he always glad he has the wallet? Yes. All yes. right. So you know, in okay. times in in sure. tough times, smoke mombacho. <laughs> In times of pain, <laughs> this will make it better, like a wallet in your mouth. <laughs> but okay, so the now that I'm just <laughs> a little bit more, I I am getting like a, a touch of spice that I wasn't getting right when I lit it. 
uh, and a little bit more creaminess. So yeah, yeah, it definitely really has nice a, start. like a nice thick texture to the smoke. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so we will uh, be revisiting this. Um, hey, by the way, since we are smoking um, yeah. bombacho, we should uh, we should get Claudio's Groy on uh, on the podcast at yeah. some point. Yeah, we should get him on there. If, okay, uh, well, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, cool. Claudio, we're coming for you. Uh, if you're listening to this, this is just a random opportunity to tell people to, to tweet. Uh, tweet at us. If you had Claudio in front of you, in front of you, what would you uh, tell him? Uh, what do you want to know? What do you Italian, wanna... Italian Claudio. What do you want to know about Italian Claudio and his cigars and his Casa Favilli? Uh, tweet us at Cigar Snob Mag. All right. So uh, last week uh, we had an event at... People aren't going to know what this is, but at the Wharf Miami. Who's the, not going to know what this is? I mean, I know, I know. The The Wharf Miami is uh, an, an outdoor riverside. It's an uh, Instagram sensation. It is true. That's true. That's true. If you're following hashtag Miami on Instagram, you've seen a lot of the Wharf. Heck yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, the Wharf Miami. Uh, we did uh, a little cigar social with Oliva Cigars. And uh, who was the, the retailer that, that we had here? Come smoke with us. Come smoke with us was right uh, down the street from us, uh, Bird Road and like eighty third or so. Right, right. So, uh, so we had a. It, it was a, a pretty nice turnout. Uh, it was just a little cigar social. People showed up, bought some cigars, yeah, ate some food truck food, which the food trucks are pretty awesome there. And uh, there was a pretty sweet deal. Like if you bought a drink, a cocktail, you got a pizza with it, like a full pizza. Yeah. Not a slice. Right. Full pie. So I saw a lot of people taking advantage of that. It took me an hour to get one, if not more. Well, hell, they were not because, not, not because, not because it took so long to make, because it probably takes about two minutes to, to make in those, in those ovens. There was such a huge line because everybody was having pizza. It was a great deal. That, that's my point. It's, it's such yeah. a great deal. And there was such a great crowd there that there's a yeah. lot of people eating Hot pizza. Hot ticket item. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't know what to do with that. Well, for those I who didn't were, eat the pizza. For those who were unwilling to wait for the pizza, the rich, though, so. there was other good food. So I didn't eat that night, but I was with uh, a friend of mine who had another food truck's uh, pork Philly cheesesteak, which he said was pretty awesome. And it looked pretty good. Well, I had, uh, I had ribs that Tony Guerra brought from King of Racks, which is right. the, probably the same one, right? Maybe. Might have been. But, uh, yeah, that was outrageously good. Yeah. So... Uh, what what else is there to say? I mean, we, I, I know we had some some noteworthy guests there. Yeah, we who, had who uh, we had uh, Hall of Famer Ed Reed came out to hang out. Yeah, this is for for those who are not in this is NFL Hall of Famer. NFL Hall of Famer, or I guess Ed football Reed. Hall of Famer. It's the fo- it's not the NFL Hall of Fame, but no, I think it's NFL. Yeah, Canton is NFL. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was just the football Hall of Fame. Nope. No, it's the NFL. Yeah, I don't know anything. No, no, you don't. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, no, we had. Uh, yeah, we had a we had a bunch of characters. We ran into uh, a slew of people that have been following us for years and are big fans of that event we used to do called the the Cigar Marathon. A lot of marathoners there, and there were a bunch of them that yeah. came out for this, which was really cool to see. They didn't go to the Lechon thing, but they came to this. Yeah, so uh, very nice to see all those cats there. I mean, I'm, I'm talking like twenty some odd people from the marathon days that came. That came out of the woodwork for this, so that was cool. Uh, all in all, I think I don't know what, what, what would you say it was like two hundred or so people there. Maybe, yeah, because there was more. there was some people there was like some coming and going and and overflow into like other parts of the wharf. But two hundred sounds about right, just yeah. in terms of like 
what the crowd looked like at any given point, and there was really never a, a dead time. No, and it was uh, they were highly engaged on the cigars. I mean, they were. I saw the registers ringing. Yep. So, so that was good. It was a good time. Uh, so yeah, what, would yeah you, we'll be doing those. Yeah, again. we'll be doing more stuff like that. I don't know whether at the wharf or not, but. I think we'll we'll yeah. definitely. It, it was just it was so good. It was, oh yeah, like the, I don't see a reason not to do it there. But the weather was spectacular. The food was yeah. good. The crowd was good. Everything was good. So show I, up on I, your I yacht. You can show up on your yacht. That's a great perk. Yeah, that's a perk. Yep, 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 yep. Or in your McLaren, there was a, a collection across the street, was showing off uh, McLarens. My son just flipped yeah. out when he saw the picture. Yeah, of a McLaren Senna. I didn't, I didn't even know what that was. No, but it's the one with like the transparent doors. Transparent? I haven't seen this. Yeah, like badass. Like you're looking at the car and you see the person's legs. You see the like, legs, yeah. That's ridiculous. What's the benefit of that? I'm guessing it's weight. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I'd rather have extra weight than people see all of my extra weight. Yeah, but you're, if you're driving around in a McLaren Senna, maybe you do want people to see your legs. Yeah, that's true. Maybe your legs are particularly awesome. Look at these McLaren owner legs. I'd wear a tuxedo every time I drove it. Right. Or maybe just or nothing. tuxedo pants. And then like a wife beater. Oh. Solid. <laughs> All right, so we have gone nowhere with this. No. Uh, so yeah, for McLarens, yachts, and tuxedo pants, show up to our next event at the wharf whenever that may be. Make sure you're following us on social media for uh, all that information. Uh, moving shout on. Shout out to Tony Garrett, by the way, Tony for uh, for putting that together. Yep, that was yep. pretty awesome. Thank you, dude. Uh, Dwayne Wade, farewell tour. This has been going on all season. It has. But uh, we were just remarking recently about maybe like one of the more they've been doing these like jersey exchanges on every stop on his little farewell tour. Uh, some of them end up feeling kind of silly because it's like exchanging jerseys with stars that he never really has had much on the court interaction with. But they had a win in Dallas. Like Dwayne Wade's one or Miami's really one significant rivalry in the Wade era. Uh, what are your thoughts on that rivalry? Like, what is your? Do you have any like memories of that? Do you, I mean, I think everybody, every Heat fan's memory is pretty vivid of all those finals. Uh, face-offs with the Mavs. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, now in terms of how I feel about this rivalry, you know, that's one of those that like rivalries usually get resolved with time. You know, you, there's usually like uh, at, towards the end of the careers of the the rivals, there's always like a coming together and, man, we had some good battles. Blah, blah. This one never really felt like, like right. they've gotten over it. Yeah. And and the jersey exchange thing that happened so after the slightly game, slightly awkward. Yeah, maybe more awkward than some of the ones that made less sense. Yeah, but Dirk Nowitzki it, so and, much so that I think that they even like they they overdid it with interviewing each guy afterwards to ask about it a little bit more than what they do with the other ones. Yeah, and it still felt awkward. The answers were like Dirk Nowitzki is like, yes, it, it, we had very good battles, and it, it was like very robotic. Like here's what I have to. He's even looking down almost as if he's reading it. Yeah. from a script. It's terrible. But because uh, yeah, the jersey the jerseys fit so bad when they exchange them, that's what it is. That's why they didn't even care about it. Like, what am I supposed True. to do with this thing? I didn't think about that. <laughs> I also thought it was interesting that nothing was written on them. Like there were other exchanges where there's like, all kinds of messages and shit, and you'd think like, okay, here you'd you'd put a little something on there, even if it's a total like you know platitude nicety stuff. No, none they of that. Almost threw the jerseys at each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here, asshole. Pretty close. So, I mean, um, if you don't like somebody from playing them 
year in and year out and you personally really do not like these people are you supposed to be a hypocrite at that time and say hey look let bygones be bygones let's exchange this and let's hug it out i guess you can yeah of course you can you can but maybe they're being real about it. listen if a guy like bill lambeer can soften Mm -hmm. you know i think i think this this rivalry can soften we need more lambeers Yes, that's what More I say. Than beer. He had the weirdest shot. Do you remember that like funky set shot that he used to do, mm-hmm. where he would, like do this little bunny hop forward and then shoot it? Yeah, the shorts were is what sticks out there. <laughs> shorts, super awkward. Okay, so yeah. well, there you go. Talk about awkward. While you're googling Bill Lambeer's shorts, we're gonna be moving on to uh, Ed Reed. We just talked about him being uh, at the wharf, but he's also, as we mentioned, uh, on his way into the Hall of Fame. So. Uh, when was that vote? That that vote was at some point in the last couple of months, right? Yeah. And then the uh, the induction ceremony or the is it an induction or is that the yeah they in, they do the induction uh, right before the NFL season, so right. they'll have like the whole Hall of Fame weekend. Right, right. So who else is in that class? I guess like Champ Reed, uh, Tony Gonzalez, Champ Reed, Champ Bailey, right? Yeah. Champ, I, those I'm just like remembering the faces on the stage with them, but I'm remembering Champ Bailey, Tony Gonzalez. Who else? Ty Law. So yeah, Ed Reed has a uh, again sort of special significance to uh, Miami. To Miami, uh, Hurricanes fans uh, played with Baltimore. I I never followed his career all that closely, but obviously, like somebody that people are just aware of. Uh, do you guys have any favorite Ed Reed moments? Especially considering that you guys are much bigger Canes football fans than I am. The pitch back against Boston College. It wasn't really it wasn't a, pitch a pitch. Back. It, it was, was like a, a, I'm going to take steal. it from you. Just give it to me. <laughs> yes. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, the famous, uh, the famous Joaquin said, "Dominate uh, halftime." Sort of yeah, speech. Yeah, he almost like, cries like in the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This. Yeah, right before the they go. Yeah. Like you know, it was that was an awesome moment. But uh, I actually had the pleasure of playing uh, golf the other day with him. Oh so yeah, how talk- was that? Austin, that guy's a fucking hell of a golfer. Yeah, like better than you. Better than you imagined. Yeah. Did you lose any money? I didn't, thankfully. I didn't fall for it. I felt like he was trying to to get me. Oof. I felt like it. I felt like he was trying to get me to... Sandbagger. To uh, to pony up some cash. And I was like, yeah, no. I'm going to cruise right past this offer. <laughs> Hustle. I, I just... I, I didn't think that a guy that was such an elite athlete would be a... A worse golfer than me, so right. So I didn't, I didn't take the bait. Smart uh, money, thankfully. Thankfully, off the first tee, he hit a bomb, and I was like, "Yes, good choice right. by you." <laughs> you feel like you won already. Yes, <laughs> but man, he's a hell of a nice guy, and freaking love cigars. Yeah, love cigars. So I think we're gonna try to do uh, a story on him. What were you guys smoking? Well, I brought him, I brought him a, a bunch of different things because he's looking to. To start his own brand, so I brought a different a variety of stuff. Uh, he started. I gave him, like I said, a, a variety of things, and he chose right off the bat the Vega de Puriel. Happens to be El Galang Vega de Puriel, but that's what he smoked at first uh, when we first teed off, and he loved it. Uh, smoked a bunch of different things though. He smoked a, a leaf by Oscar. Mm. Had uh, he had that before? Was that his first? No. He, yeah, he had not had that. Yeah. Um, what else? Was he yeah, pulling he for like a particular cigars. size, or he was just grabbing everything? No, just gra- no. The the Vega de Puriel was a Churchill, hmm. so he smoked that for a while. Oh, he also smoked the Guardian of the Farm, Casa Fernandez. Mm-hmm. 
but then he how many he, holes did you guys play like 87 no how many we, cigars no you? i know he <laughs> he smoked a lot of them uh even though we only really played nine holes holy however he we did have a three pause. cigars in nine holes we had a pause in between okay we had a pause in between because that is a lot but, uh, agreed stop it eric <laughs> but there was a pause in between he had to go uh they came out to uh, to like number five, and uh, and pulled us out of there because there was an issue with his room, and um, so we went up, took care of it, came back, then let another team go through. So we kept smoking there, uh, but anyway, good times. The guy's a hell of a nice guy. Love cigars. Uh, like I said, we're gonna do a story on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll probably get him on the podcast as well. Yeah. So he'll be at pro cigar this uh this week but probably the the week after we'll start to uh, try to plan something nice nice so so if you're gonna be a pro cigar you will see him you, you will, will see, see Carl Malone and maybe some others bring your uh bring your cards bring all your bring your cards, and get cards. Them to sign. they'll love that no I'm kidding I don't, I don't know how he feels about that <laughs> I actually have a uh, I don't have a lot on there but I I have a basketball which is where I just have all my autographs go not just basketball players figure it's you know like like that cool. that like, is such a Nick thing to yeah. do. <laughs> so, like, yeah, he has like Tommy uh, <laughs> Tommy Huff or something. Tommy Huff. I don't know. Charlie Huff. <laughs> Tommy Huff is on there. Charlie Huff signed no, a basketball but, but or like, something. Cool. That, that's for like a example, Nick thing. Just throw, uh, no, there, like authors? Like you go to book signings with your basketball? I, I do plan to do that. <laughs> I, so I, I, I have tickets to, to a Dave Barry reading. <laughs> and I'm going to take the basketball. But I Perfect. think that, w- that would work fine with Dave with Barry. With Dave Barry, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I have uh, uh, Rex Chapman. Okay, wow. that is okay. on there. That's fine. Uh, uh, a friend of mine who played minor league baseball. Uh, Sign this base Ga- basketball Gabby, for me. Yeah, Gabby Hernandez, pitcher Gabby Hernandez, who is now, I believe, a scout with the Diamondbacks. Um, and uh, oh man, I'm blanking now on uh, Carlito Fuente. No, no, Heat player. I should get Carlito to sign this. Uh, so anyway, yeah, there's like a, a little variety. Heat there. player. Rory Sparrow. No, no, no. Much, much more Grant recent. Long. Oh, no, no. The guy with the the flat top, young, shorter dude. Derek Jones Jr. No, he's not short. No, ah, whatever. It's not, it's not important. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I'll, I might have Ed Reed sign a basketball for me. Cool. If we get him on the podcast. The basketball. Yeah, the basketball. Ed Reed, Carl Rex Malone. Chapman, Carl Malone. Yeah, Carl Malone. Should have brought his IPCPR. Sure, that's right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, speaking of Ed Reed's El Galan experience. A word from episode sponsor, El Galang. That wasn't on purpose, by the way. No, not at all on purpose. Uh, El Galang Cigars, the company behind its core line, uh, El Galang, as well as Doña Nieves and extensions of both, brings you Vegas del Purial. Vegas del Purial is an homage to El Galang founder Felix Mesa's paternal grandparents, Felipe and Caridad Mesa, who grew tobacco in the Cuban province of Las Villas. It's also an homage to their farm. The cigar is made at El Galang's Esteli factory and features an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, Nicaraguan fillers, and a new hybrid tobacco called FFMC96 for the binder. It'll be available in four Vitolas, a 5x50 Robusto, a 5.5x52 Belicoso, a 7x38 Lancero, and a 6 3 quarters by 52 Super Toro. The cigars will range in price from 8 or do range in price from $8.90 to $10. So kind of right there in that $9 uh, range. The cigars are set to, or have, did ship in October to retailers. So uh, they've been there for a while. And if you haven't smoked it, I don't know what you're doing because we put it at number three on our list. The Lancero, yes. Yeah, the Lancero on our list of the top 25 cigars 
of 2018. Again, that's El Galang Cigars. You can find them at elgalangcigars.com. Do El Galang Cigars all over all of the social media stuff and go out there, look for Vega del Purial, especially in the Lancero that made the number three spot on our list of the top 25. Uh, so we were just talking about the fact... Oh, uh, yeah, so let's... let's well, let's talk about Pro Cigar, just because we had just been talking about these guys being a Pro Cigar. Okay. And then we'll come back to this Mombacho. Um, so, again, Ed Reed and Carl Malone will be a Pro Cigar, but there will also be other people. So, uh, for people who aren't familiar with Pro Cigar, uh, you know, I know that it, it comes up on, uh, you know, every few months on the podcast. Let's talk about what Pro Cigar even is for the person who's sort of uninitiated and maybe has never heard of it and, you know, is interested in sort of diving deeper into the world of Dominican tobacco. Yeah, so it's a it's a festival uh, built around the Dominican cigar industry. So so you'll have uh, you'll have tours of prominent cigar factories like Fuente, La Flor, Davidoff, uh, La Aurora, Quesada, uh, Saga, mm-hmm. Los Reyes. Uh, so so you'll have all these tours of the oh well obviously Altidus uh, down in uh, La Romana. In La Romana and uh, General, uh, also in Santiago. So uh, you'll have the tours of these factories, and then at the evenings you have these just kick-ass parties. They're like, each night is like the best cigar event you've ever been to. Yeah. Uh, so, and it culminating in like the white party at the top of the of the Monumento, the, the big uh, monument in the center of Santiago. So anyway, it, it is... Uh, for someone who, hey, hey as you get one, <laughs> sorry about that. Somebody just dropped yeah. their monumento. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, uh, for someone who wants to kind of experience the cigar industry uh, from a Dominican perspective, there, there's no better way to do it. Honestly, it, uh, you get to, like I said, you get to visit all these factories, you get to hang out with these guys, and then you meet fellow, uh, you know, cigar nuts yeah. like you. So yeah, I highly recommend that event. Yeah, and I think We've part been of the, going since the very first one, and I, I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, but to me, part of the cool thing is that you get to see some of these cigar makers kind of in their natural habitat, so to speak. So mm-hmm. they know you're already there. You're all in on this experience. So there's not as it doesn't feel as much like I'm doing this on tour sales pitch. Yeah, there's kind of also thing. no selling. Right. Exactly. Which feels great. Yeah, yeah. So you get to kind of you know. Uh, get into the topic of their cigars without the them feeling like okay, the purpose of this conversation is to get you to smoke because you're you're here, you're in my factory, you're smoking the cigar. Yep. Now let's like really kind of dive deep. Um, I remember I I might have even made this comment on the podcast before, but uh, not because I had much reason to be surprised, but maybe just because he's not you know uh, uh, super I don't know public personality. It's not somebody you see like tons of video of or whatever. But Lito Gomez as a tour guide was awesome. Uh, was you know very engaged, very good at like communicating some of the minutia of yep. of the whole tobacco growing and cigar making process. So um, his tour culminates in a in a roast hog. That's, that's the other thing. Yeah. So, too, so even so. if you're not into his tour, yeah, you're gonna be into his pig. So yeah, uh, Ivan, you've you've done pro cigar. I haven't. You no. haven't done pro cigar. No, I visited the factories, but okay. I haven't gone okay. during pro cigar. No. Yeah, yeah. Did you have any favorite? Because uh, there's probably, I'm sure there's overlap. Some of the factories that you saw are going to be the ones that are giving well, tours. The, the thing I can tell uh, most listeners, um, if they haven't been down there, is that one of the highlights for me is just being able to interact with Dominican 
with the, the actual Dominicans that live there. Yeah. Because they are some of the nicest people on the face of very the planet. Cool. Yep. Very, very hospitable. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the resorts and the beaches and they have everything to offer there. So then visiting these factories, seeing where your favorite products are being made, it's an experience like no other. For sure. For sure. Like I said, I've been, we've been going as a magazine. We've been going since the very first one. Right. And uh, we haven't stopped. Yeah. So crossing crossing the Gulf into Nicaragua, back to this Mombacho cigar. Uh, we talked earlier about what this wrapper was. I now know. I don't know whether you guys also Googled it, but it is a shade-grown Habano from Jalapa. So uh, this is a shade-grown Habano wrapper on this Liga Maestro. Again, it's a uh, it's a Nicaraguan puro. Where are you guys at with uh, how you're doing with the cigar? So the intensity has kicked up quite a bit to a level that uh, is very enjoyable for me. I'm digging the uh, that like cedary sweetness in mm-hmm. the background, uh, balanced by soft like it's a soft pepper it's not a it's not a sharp pepper it's a very soft rounded pepper and and a, and a nice little hint of spice so that's i'm really enjoying it yeah and a little that creamy texture to the smoke i dig too yeah by no means this is this is definitely not a pepper bomb no no, no no it's very round not. definitely yeah round. so it's very balanced it has a lot of like say honey and uh, yeah. maybe butterscotch notes it's like very refined and sophisticated it's very mm-hmm. nice. I could smoke like two or three of these. Yeah, yeah, I like that butterscotch. <laughs> all, all at once. Uh, yeah, I agree with all those things that you said. It it definitely kicked up, but not in that like kind of abrasive no, way. No, it's beautiful. Uh, and I I I I like the the butterscotch uh, reference there. I think that's that's in there for sure. Um, all right, so Amazon Amazon pulls out of their deal to set up their headquarters in New York City. Uh, Democrats are even up in arms. Uh, some of them, anyway. So some. Cuomo. Some, let's not say right. Yeah. All. So Cuomo, for instance, uh, without naming names, but pretty obviously directed at the Ocasio Cortezes of the world, and also some people in the in the state senate there, uh, going off about you know the opportunity that they've cost uh, by by driving Amazon out of town. Um, to to me, the thing that's interesting here, and I think that you know without. Hopefully it's not too much of a stretch, but I think that there is something to uh, a comparison between this uh, and some of what the cigar world deals with, especially in that in the sense of like state and local level uh, prohibitions on on cigars and cigar smoking. In that, there's this very small, vocal, loud group that drove this company away, and with them they end up taking all this opportunity when polling. Which polling, you know, you end up polling people who aren't necessarily engaged enough to show up at like mm-hmm. town halls and shit. I think it was like consistently in the seventy percent range of people who were totally fine with Amazon coming in and bringing all their tech jobs and all that stuff. Like when even the Cuomos of the world are like, yeah, 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 we want that. Of course, we want that. Yeah, uh, I heard him say, uh, he's like, we're we're turning down. We were giving them three billion, and we were getting twenty seven. He's like, I take that deal every day. And right. it's like he looked he looked defeated in that press conference. Right. 
Well, obviously he was, right? I mean, sure, he yeah. pulled out, that's it. The game's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going against his party at, at at every turn. Like, he was also complaining about taxes being too high in New York. He was complaining about the 70% tax rate or proposed 70%. And as it is, everybody's moving out of New York because of the high taxes. And he says they're losing all these revenues and that moving taxes to 70% would be a ter- terrible idea. Right. So he's going against his party, like I said, at every turn. So yeah. now, and, and I think it's... More of a common sense thing than a <laughs> yeah. polling thing. I mean, of course you're not gonna you're not gonna uh, deny the opportunity to have all these jobs come into your state and 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 bring money in, and and you have a small, like you said, a small group of loud people, you know, bad mouthing it, and now that's you know, yeah, that's the, we the talking, direction you're gonna go. Yeah, we were talking yesterday, and I was saying I don't like subsidies going to companies so that they can right. make more money. I don't like that, generally speaking. But a good deal is a good deal. Well, and aside from that, I mean, you may not like it, and maybe you would have that objection. I, I certainly don't like that either. But it's also just weird. Not weird. I, it's, it's both weird and completely predictable that somebody like an Ocasio-Cortez would oppose this. It's like you're saying no to this, but then you're also talking about dumping all kinds of subsidy money into other things. Like, yeah. What do you think is happening there? Nobody's profiting from that. Nobody's yeah. profiting from you know green energy subsidies or whatever. Uh, and and those end up also being companies that have very low tax liability because the same people who are opposed to Amazon are looking for all kinds of tax loopholes for whether it's green energy or certain healthcare things. A lot of or, those companies were started just because of the loophole. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't believe she's getting so much publicity. She's such a media darling, but everything that comes out of her mouth seems so ridiculous. Right. So ridiculous. Yet she's on the on every news channel, every, day, every yeah. tweet. That's all they talk about. And everything she says is... She's like out-trumping Trump at this. Thi- no, but that's exactly right. It's like, <laughs> yeah. the, it's the I call it the Kim Kardashian playbook, Yeah. where even bad publicity is good publicity, and she's just blowing herself up to like a level that is like unseen. You, you know what it is to get rid of planes? <laughs> well, like, who would even propose that? To, to be fair, the way that it... So th- that is one thing, you know, and... Far be it for me to defend. Right, 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 right. But I, I think the way that it was worded was like, oh, you know, we want to uh, push these other things to the point that planes are no longer necessary. So it wasn't necessarily let's get rid of them, but it's almost even more ridiculous. Where like let's make them unnecessary. Like I mean, no, what you want is for all of these options to do as well as they possibly can, and then the best of those options yeah. is the best. But. This idea of like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to subsidize. And again, we're, we go back to like the subsidizing something for the job. Yeah, but you're just talking on the other end. You're putting out this, your whole policy proposal, like your big, you know, uh, so far your major career accomplishment, which is putting out a PDF that you had to replace because it said so much crazy shit in it, <laughs> um, is to subsidize certain industries so heavily that you're sinking certain other industries by decreasing the market demand yeah, for just them. choosing the winner. Exactly. Um but uh, but then there was that thing about the people who are unwilling to work, which right. was in the document. And then they took it down and were pretending that it was never there. And they had some advisor of hers who like teaches at Cornell, saying that that was only in a doctored document. Like even he was unaware that like that they had gone that far. Uh, so yeah, it was it was about uh, guaranteeing assistance to people who were un- unable or unwilling to work. Right. Um, and the the war against cows is just going too far. Yeah, these poor animals farting and killing. I, I love that it actually said farting cows <laughs> in the document. Like that was the way they described it, it was farting cows. So 
Man, I don't know, but I think I know that it's always referred to as methane farts and cow farts and things like that. But I think that the methane actually comes out of their mouth. They Maybe. do. They do both. Right, right. So they're farting and they're burping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's more double burping. double trouble. <laughs> but they taste more reason to get rid of the cows. But they taste great, don't they? Well, I'm, have you have you seen this? I'm like, a big uh, fan of ribeye. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the impossible meat yeah have you tried one of these yet impossible no. burger what's an, what's an impossible no. burger you serious you haven't no, no, you no, haven't no. even heard of it it sounds like a meatless thing it's made out of like soy something no it's not it, it's like using well soy is one of them yes but it's using the chemical compositions of the things that make meat meat to make these meatless things. So it's like a synthetic meat. Yeah, but uh, it's supposed to be incredible. Like, it, it's supposed to be doesn't, the closest thing to meat that you've ever had. Doesn't sound good for the cows. Well, no, it does sound good for them. They don't kill a cow, too. <laughs> well, but the idea is for to the kill. Industry, yeah, the idea no. is for the demand to be less. Correct. Right. Right. Yeah. Every cow you eat is a cow that stopped farting. Yeah. You're right. So. Whoa. Eat more. Whoa. Mind eat. blown, right? <laughs> <laughs> Eat more cow. Eat no, but anyway, uh, yeah, check out the Impossible. Well, I haven't, I haven't tried one myself. Okay, but I, I was surprised that you hadn't even heard of it. I was gonna say, where do, you, where do we, where do we find one of these? This they is... have them now. At uh, I happened to, to look into this yesterday, because I'm curious as to what yeah. that tastes like. They have Impossible Burgers at Sports Grill here in town. No shit. That it sounded to me like something that you'd only find at, not a place like Sports Grill. Me too. I was yeah. shocked. Wow. Sounds super processed though. I mean, I don't know. Well, by definition, yeah, it's, fucking, I know. it's yeah, all yeah, like yeah. lab grown. Yeah, rough. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So yeah, but, uh, supposedly the the heme or you know the the thing in hemoglobin. Heim. No. <laughs> the the heim. <laughs> the heimen. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, so uh, so uh, Matt Kuchar. So Matt Kuchar. <laughs> what is a great segue? <laughs> Matt Kuchar's impossible caddy. <laughs> Pass the Kuchar upon the left hand side. Oh, I like oh. that. Uh, okay, so Ivan, this is this is definitely your wheelhouse here. Tell us all about the controversy with Matt Kuchar and your take. Okay, so Matt Kuchar. And talk to Probably me, talk to me as if I were somebody who knew nothing about golf, like you are. Right. <laughs> so Matt Kuchar, he's a very successful golfer, and I'll, and, I, and I think it's very, you can say very. He, he'll probably go into the Hall of Fame for a number of reasons. Maybe because of his, uh, maybe less so because of his record, but I think he's like uh, he's very well regarded on tour because he's such a gentleman. Great public relations person, yep. all of the above, uh, and he's a very good golfer. So he recently played in a tournament, and I think his regular tour caddy uh, was either sick or unavailable. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't remember what the reason was, but he wasn't able to play. Uh, so he ha- he needed to fill in caddy. Usually, when you go to a a, a tour course, they have they're they're actually very good caddies on hand at the course that caddy there on a regular basis. So he hired 
his name was David Ortiz, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, a caddy named David Ortiz uh, at the Mayacoba Golf Course, which I believe is in Mexico. Yes. So he's a local. Local caddy. They negotiated, I believe, a three thousand dollar fee for him to caddy for the week. Matt Kuchar ends up winning the tournament. Well, but they had also it was three, but four if he won. So there was right. So there was an agreement for an extra thousand dollars if he won the tournament, and I, and I, I that sounds a little weird. I don't know what type of agreement he was, but what I do know is he tipped him two thousand dollars instead of the one thousand dollars because he won. The problem is. Uh, the normal, we'll call it the going rate for winning a golf tournament is is a 10% cut of your winnings to your caddy when you win a pro golf tournament. The winning purse at this tournament was $1.3 million. So there's a big difference between the $5,000 received and the 10% he would have gotten on a $1.3 million. Roughly one thirty, yeah. So the caddy was not happy, uh, and he started complaining, and he's gone out. Uh, on different media circles, explaining the situation, and Kuchar's agent came back to him and said, "Listen, we'll give you fifteen thousand dollars, and let's let's, let's call it even. Yeah. yeah, let's let's relax." And he and the caddy was still, I guess, on principal purpose, was not happy with the amount he was giving him and rejected it. So that's where we are. Kuchar says he can sleep fine at night; that he was comfortable with uh, the amount he gave him. However, it's much less than the than the normal ten percent that he should have received. So where where do you stand on just opinion of Kucher's moves so far? I think it's a tough call on both sides. Uh, as a caddy, you're getting shorted a lot, a lot of money. So I think it's his best interest to do it. Even from a from a PR standpoint, he's his name is getting out out there. He's becoming a more of a personality just because this bad publicity is coming out. And from Kucher's side, um. There's a lot of things that go into it. Uh, I don't know what kind of, you know, I don't know what message that sends to your regular caddy. Let's say, let's say I bring in a fill-in for one week. I win a tournament. Like, do I? Re- am I really gonna pay this fill-in caddy all this money when I haven't done this to my regular caddy? And as a side note, Kucher has been playing very good this year. So it's not that the caddy really made a big difference to make him play well. Which, if let's say you had been losing. And all of a sudden, you, and you, this guy turns you around. Hell yeah, you're going to pay this guy, but you're probably going to fire your caddy now. Yeah. However, he had been playing well. I think he had won a tournament already. So the guy's on fire. So the caddy well, he really, had a bunch of top tens. And no, and he won another one. So this is like his second win already on, on, on a young season. So I see, I see where both of them made their decision and the reason why they did it. It's, it's a no win for. For, for anybody on this well, one. Well, it's a shame because it, it could have been a feel-good on both sides, right? Kuchar playing without his caddy wins this tournament. And so all that could have been very good without for, his caddy. And then the, the caddy could have been a feel-good story. Oh, here's this caddy out of nowhere helps Kuchar win this tournament. And if we wouldn't have had any problem with it, that's a that's a nice feel-good story. And in, in the exact opposite happened. Right. I think I thought... If the amount he would have given him was just a, not even the ten percent, just oh, a bit sure. a higher, or yeah, whatever it would have been thirty to, grand probably would have done would it. Would have probably well, yeah. But uh, but yeah, that that's a shame because Kucher is known as one of the good guys, the nice guys, yeah. And uh, and he does he gives a lot, he gives a ton to charity. Uh, he he supports charities all up and down. Yeah. 
And so then the that the, the sad part is your your name doesn't go out that much when you do the right thing. And then this one time you slip up, uh, which may not even be a slip up, right? Because if the guy agreed to the three grand, he agreed to it. They didn't hold a gun to his head. You still got to give him more. Now, if it would have been his regular caddy, I guarantee you would have given him the 10%. It's a different relationship. Of course it is. Yeah. But we've never heard this before. So, yeah, it, of course it would have been different. But um, But the fact that the guy agreed to three and then got fu- and agreed to three and and I, I believe the agreement was four if he won. So once a, once a, a deal is struck, even if it's a verbal deal or a handshake deal, that's still a contract. And so there is a part of me that says, but that's what the guy agreed to. But this contract is different because you're performing to try to win something. So we're, we're working together to try to hit this ultimate prize. When they negotiated that contract, I don't know if if they were like, okay, listen, if I win $1.3 million, this is all you're getting. It's a different feel. It's not like no, somebody I'm, was laying, I'm some, you. I'm with you, some but laying some tile in a bathroom. It's different. I'm, I'm with you. I, I know that. But I said one part of me does feel like, shit, that's what the guy agreed to. And that's why and I think that's why Kucher says he can sleep well at night because – he probably looked the guy in the eye and said, wait, three grand, three grand. Yeah, okay, four if we win. All right, perfect. Bam, boom, let's go. So that's why he probably says he can sleep at night. Right. I would almost <laughs> like, I mean, I know that these are two wildly different things, but in like everyday life, restaurant tips are probably the most analogous thing where there's a pretty standard across the board custom range of a percentage, especially when somebody's, you know, at a steakhouse and they're like, this is the best steak experience I've ever had in my life. And if you get a 1% tip dropped on you, and then the guy comes back with, well, here's another 20 bucks, you're going to be like, no, buddy. This was, you know, white tablecloth steakhouse, you ran up a $500 tab, and you want to hit me with a few more bucks. That's not the way this works. Now now I'm standing on waiter principle is the analogy that I would draw here, right? Like, there's still that question of, okay, then what are you setting yourself up for? And in this case, there's also the publicity that's to be gained from perpetuating this thing. Right. If you're still really far from that customary number. I think if Cooch would have came back with a box of Mombacho Liga Maestros, mm. everything would have been good. Would have been good to go. Yeah. David been, Ortiz hey. would have been like, dude, you're thanks, the best. Thanks, bud. Anytime. Anytime. I'm your wingman. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you're giving it to me in Hermoso, because I know that was number 12 on Cigar Snob's list of the top 25 cigars of 2018. Um, you know where... There is not a lot of work for caddies right now is Seattle because it's very cold and people aren't golfing. And that's where we'll be not golfing in about a week. Uh, so Andy, our art director, and I will be in Seattle working on a travel story for an upcoming issue of Cigar Snob Magazine. Uh, and that will be our coffee issue. So we're going to be in Seattle uh, touring. I'm calling it a caffeine issue. The ca- that's, yeah, that's a better, yeah, because it'll be a little, a little bit broader than coffee. Yeah. Broader um, than Broadway. So, uh, so yeah, but while we're in Seattle, we'll be focusing on, on coffee stuff. Uh, and we'll be a little bit more able to focus on coffee stuff than we would in other places because Seattle is a super restrictive cigar market. Uh, which, on the one hand, means that this travel story will not be as heavy on uh, cigar shop and lounge visits. But on the other hand, means that it'll be a little richer than our normal travel content on the non-cigar stuff. Yep. Uh, again, especially coffee. Um, 
we will be, uh, again, visiting roasters, visiting plenty of coffee shops. We'll also be dropping into Snoqualmie, which is one of the, uh, the uh, Indian Reservation uh, resorts. And uh, they have, if you're in the Seattle area, really your only option inside of a reasonable drive. Uh, for like a cigar bar. For a cigar bar, right, because they're sort of outside of the jurisdiction of, of the, the restrictions that keep. If the restriction is, is Seattle proper? It's not, uh, a, it's not a state restriction. I don't, no, I don't think so because there's another lounge uh, about half an hour south of Seattle. I think oh, also reservations, uh, right. Resorts have all kinds of freedoms. Yeah, yeah. So, so it might be like a county level thing because mm-hmm. I think it does extend past like maybe the city limits. But I, I could be I could be wrong about that. Pretty sure you'll find out about that in a few days. Is the Vertigo Club still open? I think it's like a private. The club. Vertigo Club exists. Yeah, but it's a it's a members only lounge. Right. Okay. So they they some people will do events there. So like on rare occasions, if you're not a member, there's opportunity to get in there. But yeah, for the most part, it's a uh, because they even have the issue in Seattle mm-hmm. is that you can't have smoking anywhere that there are employees. So the Virgo Club has to do it that you're just paying for access, and then you go in and you do everything on your own. You have you deal with the refrigerator, you stock your own stuff. So you're just kind of paying for like a a hangout spot, but you can't have a bartender in there. You can't have you can't have anybody working in the place while they're smoking. Um, makes total sense. Of course. Yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, Snoqualmie has a place called Lit. So if you do happen to be planning travel to Seattle, uh, that's, yeah, this, this kind of is, is an easy way for us to recommend a, an indoor, you know, all of your indoor cigar lounge options mm-hmm. in a city because there's one and that's Lit. Uh, Rain City Cigars also has a, uh, what, uh, was referred to me as, uh, as the proverbial short bus. So they've got a Romeo y Julieta branded bus, which actually looks pretty cool. It was retrofitted to uh, seat 15 people in a little sort of well-ventilated cigar lounge out in the parking lot, even in warm weather. Um, sorry, cold, cold weather, not warm weather. Uh, even when it's warm, you can smoke in the bus. Um, but anyway, yeah, so we'll be in Seattle, uh, all of which is to say if you are familiar with Seattle and you have recommendations, especially, again, uh, on the coffee front, but restaurants, cigars, whatever else, tweet us at Cigar Snob Mag. Uh, and if you get to us before Tuesday the 19th, we might just uh, work your recommendations into our plans. So uh, anything else we want to say on Seattle? No, man. Have fun. Cool. Listen to some Nirvana. Will do. Pearl Jam. I'm on it. Uh, finally, before we get into our final ad and parting recommendations, a little bit of cigar news. Uh, people who follow the cigar industry online and in social media may be aware that a uh, there was a robbery recently. So the Casa Cuevas uh, humidor was robbed. Um, I'll let you guys sort of give us a summary because, Eric, I imagine you're, you're more in touch with the details of that story than I am. Well, uh, yeah, they, uh, you know, they broke in to, to the humidor. They came in through, like, the only part of the building where they could come in, not be detected by cameras. Uh, they went straight into the humidor, so they didn't go to the main warehouse, uh, the main uh, the warehouse outside of the humidor. Right. Like they made the wall, the, the hole in the wall, and that exactly was the wall where it needed into to be. the humidor. Yeah, and they got in and, and emptied those guys out. I don't know what the uh, what the tally was in terms of, of monetary, uh, what the take was. Do you know, Chuck? Uh, so... Allegedly over a hundred thousand dollars in product. They also, uh, Yayawo Cigars also had uh, shared uh, space there with them, and and they were cleaned out as well. 
So this is something that that's been happening in Miami. Uh, you know, we'll get like what what would you say like two a year on average two yeah. cigar robberies. We were a victim of that as well. So yeah, it man, I it, it pisses me off. There's yep. nothing nothing more I can say. I, it just you know you these guys worked their tail off to make uh, to compile that inventory of cigars that they were then going to go sell. And uh, to have that stolen, and then you know, people usually will jump in with the, with the snarky, ah, oh, it's an inside insurance job or something like that. But they they didn't that wasn't insured. They had just moved in there, and they hadn't uh, they hadn't completed the uh, process to get uh, to get it insured. So there was no insurance. This is not an insurance play. This was this was uh, this was painful, man. So uh, we feel for those guys. They're they're great friends of the magazine. Uh, personal friends as well so if you know if you spot anyone out there uh selling casa cuevas or yayabo cigars uh that are not at a retailer don't tweet us call us yeah by all means reach out uh reach out to the people of casa cuevas yayabo the cops whoever you have to or us uh those are stolen goods so yeah man if if you do hear about it please let us know absolutely uh, all right, so before we get into our parting recommendations, a word from episode sponsor Drew Estate. Introducing the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro, which features a dense plantation-grown Matafina wrapper over a Connecticut River Valley broadleaf binder with fillers from Nicaragua. Showcasing the floral and earthy Brazilian Matafina tobacco with unique texture, the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera, and presented in five Vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. As we do every episode, we're wrapping this one up with our parting recommendations. This is where we let you know about some things that we think you should consider watching, eating, smoking, doing, reading. Uh, Ivan, what do you got? <laughs> I just, I'm, I just, I'm just going to drop it. <laughs> I'm not going to dance around this. I'm just going to get right to Here it. Here we go. I'm recommending Preparation H medicated wipes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These are great. These are great travel items. So this, uh, this is, this is nice because I hadn't even looked at the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The show notes. Why, why go with baby wipes when you can have witch hazel instead? Which is is the, that like the key difference between? It's it's the main ingredient. That's what it has. So it's. And so what, is that, what does that do for you? They're little white. It keeps you nice and fresh what all day. Huh. What doesn't witch hazel do for <laughs> you? It's. Yeah. So yeah, I don't have to explain it. You know what they're for. Get them. They're great. <laughs> I, I won't leave the house without them now. Is there? But it, it, this is get them if you need them. Huh. Get them if you need them. No. He says he won't leave the house without no, them. No, like, no. It's I used more to, of a just-in-case, it yeah, seems. I used, to, I used to use Purell wipes, and for some reason, it was very, very mm. uh, abrasive, abrasive and, and hot. Hot? <laughs> oh, boy. I'm kidding. They don't have Purell wipes. <laughs> but anyways, these are great. Eric, what do you got? Actually, I'll go. No, my, it, it's Panther Coffee. Uh, you know, we went and uh, we met with the the gentleman who's writing our. He's actually a friend, Andy Jarmbarba is uh, has a coffee blog called Now Brewing, and uh, we met him at Panther Coffee uh, in preparation for this caffeine issue. And dude, that shit is awesome. They uh, they give you the rundown of all the different 
uh, origins of all these different coffees, and you really taste it right there. Uh, you can taste the differences, uh, and you can kind of pick what you like. So, yeah, Panther Coffee, man, that's uh, that's a shit. I don't know. Uh, do they, does Panther Coffee distribute nationwide? I don't know. I think so because it's a pretty, uh, it's a good sized coffee brand down here. Right, right, right. Uh, I would imagine that they distribute nationwide. I, but I would think at the very least, like at some like specialty shops, and uh, if you can get your hands on it, man, that shit's good. Yeah. Uh, all right, so I will round out our recommendations and mine. Again, I think something I've brought up in the past, but not as a recommendation. I think I brought up that I was planning to subscribe to this, but uh, I have been for a little bit now an ESPN Plus subscriber, uh, and I recommend doing it. It's like five, just under, I think, five bucks a month. Uh, and if you are especially into some of the non-major sports uh, so they do a lot of, uh, UFC events there, even on like the big pay-per-views, they'll do some of the prelims on ESPN plus, but, uh, I'm looking at the, the schedule of, uh, of live events that they, that are going to be on ESPN plus in the coming days and weeks. There's a lot of, uh, college basketball, uh, a lot of soccer. So if you're a soccer fan and there is, there are events that you don't necessarily get access to in your regular cable subscription, there's plenty of that. Uh, also rugby. Um, but again, I'm, I'm more in, in there for the, for the fights. So anyway, ESPN plus, uh, makes it easy to, to watch stuff on the go without having to worry about whether your cable subscription allows for that. Cause I know that's, that tends to be an issue with a lot of the other, you know, streaming services that, uh, where there's overlap. So that's it. That's, that's what I got. Hey, on the, uh, on the coffee stuff that I, uh, just mentioned, it, his story is going to be on, uh, in the magazine next issue. But if you want to get a glimpse into Andy's uh, coffee craziness, uh, go to Instagram and follow nowbrewing.coffee. Uh, really good follow. Outstanding pictures. So anyway, uh, check that this out. This is Andy's coffee account. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and did we mention his, his main one, Andy Miami? Well, I was talking the coffee, so but no, Andy Miami is yeah. another one you can follow me. All, all of his photography is beautiful. Yeah. And, and Andy really is uh, very like well plugged in to the food scene and the oh, coffee yeah. scene. Yep. So. Uh, as far as like, I think he's like the chef's, res- the, the chef respected social media influencer down here. Cause he's just kind of into it. Yeah. Uh, and he's not charging anybody for anything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. With that, we're wrapping up. Anybody got something we want to throw in here before we, before we sign off? Later y'all. Well, That's I, it. I got to do our plugs. Give me a second. <laughs> so, uh, we are at cigarsnobmag.com. You can find us all over the social media stuff at cigarsnobmag. Uh, subscribe to the print magazine at cigarsnobmag.com slash shop uh, and find episodes of the podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and cigarsnobmag.com slash podcast. With that, we're out of here. Get some mambacho. Adios. Adios.